It's time for Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Let's tap into your own authentic genius and live the life you desire. Join Dr. Rademacher for an enlightened conversation about our brain intelligence, our body intelligence, and our energy intelligence. And now, here's your host, Dr. Bart Rademacher. I'm Dr. Bart Rademacher, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation. Real people, real conversations, and real success. And part of the idea of this platform, Prescription for Your Transformation, is tapping into those essential things of life. Those things that make the difference so that we can uh, survive, thrive, flourish, all these things. And part of that need that we have is taking care of our finances. Because if we take care of our finances, then guess what? Then we have so many more choices. But when we don't take care of our finances, then it can be a problem. And we see that over and over and over again. And so for many people, the financial part of their life is super scary because they don't understand it. They don't know the essentials of it. And oftentimes when you talk to the experts, they're talking a different language. And so you have no idea. And sometimes you just don't want to feel like you look stupid. So this platform is about revealing to you some of the amazing experts and friends that I have that can share with you some of the elements, some of the insights that can dramatically transform your life and go in the direction that you want to thrive and flourish. And this amazing financial professional, Roberto Roman, great human being, very charitable too, because we've gone on some humanitarian trips together, really making a difference, and he's going to make a difference for you. So today, what we want to talk about is, you know, what do we do about debt? You know, how is it that we approach it? Because too often, I think people are accumulating too much debt, and there has to be a way out. So, Roberto, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me, Bart. So let's talk about debt. And um, I guess, first of all, let's talk about the bad habit of accumulating debt. So what are some of the things people typically do to get that debt when they probably shouldn't have had it in the first place? Oh, one of the main things I find that people do when to get into debt is keeping up with the Joneses, living beyond their means, not understanding what a budget is or understanding what a budget is, but really not um, keeping to a budget. They they feel that, hey, I'll just make it up next month. And before you know it, you're three, four months in of making it up and then you're in the hole and you got to dig yourself out of the hole. That's what I find most people end up doing these days especially during COVID and everything going on in the world. You know, today, in today's world, it's so easy to get access to money, I guess, with credit cards and loans and that kind of thing, except for maybe perhaps the banks are not giving out loans during this COVID period. But prior to that, it was really easy. And we saw that in the mortgage crisis. Yeah. And, and now, <clears throat> in general, people are, more people are in debt than ever before. Yeah, these days people, it's like, look at our government. Our government just keeps on issuing money, so they're in debt. And this country we live in, it's a beautiful country. We have a lot of freedoms, but people people just get into debt. These days people would love to have what they can't have and the way the banks spin it and the way these organizations spin it, no matter where you go, is, hey, you could have it for no money down today 
and interest-free for the first 12 months, 18 months, two years, but most people don't understand what that entails, like how that works. It's interest-free, but what, what is really happening behind the scenes? No one really questions it and understands what that looks like for their financial future. Yeah, right now, I don't use any kind of credit cards. <clears throat> don't like it. I know that I don't get all the points that I could probably benefit from a credit card, but I just want to keep myself out of trouble. Don't do loans. Don't do any of those things. It does affect my credit rating, I'm sure, because you know there's not that history. But I just like to stay away from that. I own my own cars. I don't lease a car. You know, I own my own house. You know, I don't lease that either. And so I'm just doing everything to stay out of debt. So that's a key question that I think that that most people are struggling with, and that is, you know, how is it that you get out of debt once you are in debt? And I know this, you you have some strategies to help people to specifically approach that. Yes, I, the, the way I like to explain it to my clients as well as potential clients is there's really two key ways to get out of debt. One of the key ways, the two key ways are snowball and debt stacking. And the, the reason why I narrowed it down to those two, I'm sure there's a lot of other ways, but from all the research I did, the reason why I like those two, because there's, there's something for everyone. For example, the snowball, you list all your debts out and you pay the minimum on every single debt and then the additional money you have available that you're looking to apply towards the debt, you apply it towards the smallest balance first. Now, the reason why I mentioned that one first, because it's very important. There's certain people out there that need to see success. When I sit down with clients and they say, hey, um, when am I going to be out of debt? And I tell them, hey, you're going to be out of debt in 2025. They're like, oh my goodness, I can't, uh, it's, it's too far, it's too long. So the first one I like to cover is the snowball effect because it pretty much, what it does, you list all your debts like I mentioned previously and that additional money you have set aside to apply towards your debt, you put it against the smallest balance first. So since that smallest balance is getting, off, getting paid off sooner, people are able to see success along the way and I find people that are a little hesitant that, that's the way that usually best service is done so they can have those successes along the way. Yeah, the nice thing too is that you just completely get rid of a debt. So it's not hanging around. It's not a bigger burden on you. And the fact is you're not getting that interest you know, accumulated with all the other ones. So it makes perfect sense. And it, it, it sort of kind of speeds up as you go along, doesn't it? I mean, as long as you're, you're disciplined, I think that's the key thing. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to set out an X amount of dollars every month that's in excess to the total of the minimum volume together, right? And then that way it's going to snowball because once you get rid of one, right, now you can actually apply much more to the next one. Absolutely. That, that is, that's the key. You got to be, like you mentioned it right there, you have to be disciplined. Whether it's, whether it's getting out of debt, with, whether it's saving for the future, that's the key to anything. Because I think also, you know, perhaps the, the temptation, by the way, and, and so it's not going to snowball as nicely, or not at all, if, if you just stick with the minimum but don't add that extra to it. And, and you know, I, I'm sure there's a bunch of psychology involved with all this because as people are getting rid of, you know, some of the debts, do you find that they stick with that discipline in general? Or do they kind of waver a little bit and just say, oh, you know what, I'm going to keep a little bit more for myself, and then it actually takes longer? I mean, what are your thoughts on that? These days you find, you definitely find people 
getting off course, which I like to say. They definitely get off course for numerous reasons. Like I have a few clients that, you know, they, they these days I have a child now, so I, I could kind of relate. I don't do these bad habits, but I could relate that, you know, Christmas comes around or whatever holiday you celebrate. And like, hey, I want to get my kids everything they want. And my question usually is at what cost? Because you spend whatever you spend, what's the real value? What's the real cost of what you're actually purchasing them after time? So again, I guess it's just being conscious of, okay, what's the true value in this? You know, is it, you know, just for self-gratification? I mean, am I, do I need that immediate gratification? I guess that's why they got in the debt in the first place. And I just love paying with cash. You know, it's just the way that I operate these days. It just makes it so much easier. And I really don't have to think about it. You know, if I don't have the money, I can't do it. No, these days that that's the best strategy. And if you're disciplined enough and you find out that works for you, do it. What, what I usually find is whatever works best for the client, that's what, uh, as long as it makes financial sense, that's what I usually try to gear them towards and show them, hey, this is possible. And based on what you're looking to achieve and based on the, the things you already have set in place, this is the best way it's going to work for you. So in your situation, you definitely have some key components set up. And if you're, if you're a cash person, I definitely say stick to it because it's, it's, it's just so much easier and you save a ton of money on interest. Yeah, exactly. I just hate that whole idea of interest and it just keeps you out of trouble. I mean, I don't get to do all the things I perhaps would like to do, but it just keeps me out of trouble. Um, so the, the other, there's another strategy, or let me ask you this, I mean, are there, are there templates out there on the internet that people can download or can they get it from you to kind of set that up so that you can see over a period of time, you know, how that your debt gets diminished? Because that, that sometimes might be interesting too, where, you know, if people can realize, look, if, if I follow this program and with all these numbers that I have, let's say I'm $20,000 in debt, with all these numbers that I have, you know, when can I foresee to be debt free? Because when they have a target, that's going to help them too, right? No, absolutely. Like if you don't have a target, you're never going to achieve your goals as you, I'm sure you're very well aware of. You definitely want that target. And the way I usually do it, I, I incorporate it for my clients in all, every single financial plan I do. I definitely incorporate how to get out of debt when they're going to be out of debt. But as you mentioned, there are a lot of calculators out there. If you go to my website, it is available on the calculators on my website as well. And you can also go to any search engine and Google like debt stacking or debt snowball calculator. Oh, we'll, stay, we'll stay with your website. So what's your website? My website is dreams to reality wm for wealthmanagement.com. I love it. So we'll post it and make sure that everybody has that later on. Um, so there's another a way that you talked about, and that's debt stacking, right? Yes. Now, the, the, the strategy or the mentality behind that is just like, all right, we look at it, like I said previously, the old one, not the old one, the other one, the snowball effect is, hey, you have successes along the way. The debt stacking pretty much attacks the high, it does the same principle. You list all your debts, minimum payment on each one, then the additional, the additional funds you have available to apply towards your debt you put it against the highest interest rate credit card. So it's, it's not only gets you out of debt, it helps you save on interest as well. So I'm assuming that um, that one will be the one that you um, 
spend less on. Would that be accurate? Yes, over the long term, you spend less on it. But what I actually came to realize, most people go towards the snowball, believe it or not. Well, it's, it, there's, there's a visual too, you know, because it's that, that psychology of the snowball is going to get better and better and better and better. You know, you're getting results, and it's sort of like, yeah, I feel good. And, you know, I have this firm belief that success breeds more success. And so when, when you successfully achieve something, then it almost empowers you to do even more. You know, if you're well-disciplined, and, and, but then again, I would say this, is that if you're well-disciplined, you probably wouldn't have gotten yourself into the debt in the first place. That is so true. If you're, if you're disciplined enough, because most what it really comes down to is discipline, because you would have realized, hey, I don't have the funds available right now. I shouldn't be spending this. Whether it's the best thing since sliced bread, they're giving you a deal, whether it's any shopping center out there or any store out there, they will definitely, in, they'll, they'll pretty much give you everything on a platter to be able to make a purchase today with their debt they'll be like hey interest for interest free for 12 months but like i mentioned previously people just don't understand what's happening behind the scenes when you take those offers you know and, and it's sort of like buying food right i mean there's a lot of stuff you don't need to have in fact it's probably very unhealthy and so in reality we should kind of look at all those other things that we don't need you know and, and i have two cars i love my cars and uh, they're both older than 15 years so I've had them a long time and they're still working and I still have to in, in, you know minor investments in in my cars but it's a great thing because you know I'm not putting out these major expenses and saving money for for my future because that's the other part that I think is essential is that you know we have to have that discipline to save for our future and I know that you know we're going to be talking about that later but um, you know Let's start off with being disciplined. Don't get in debt. And remind me again how people get in debt. People people get into debt because they're trying to keep up with the Joneses. They they don't understand their budget, and more importantly, they like I'm sure you're aware, and you probably see it all all along in your profession. People pick up bad habits of their parents or loved ones, and those those are pretty much I would say the three key ones, but majority keeping up with the Joneses. People overspend, overextend themselves, and the way I see is for what? You know, ultimately, you know, me being a coach as well and, and, and working on personal development for the last 20 years, which has been an exciting journey for me, I realized one thing is that, you know, we should not compare ourselves with other people because that's outside of us. It's not. It's not internally driven, and it's not really what gives us that true fulfillment. What gives us our true fulfillment is from within, and meeting our own goals. You know, and reaching out to the things that we want to do in life and actually achieving them, and and not having the right car or a nice house. I mean, bottom line is, if you love beautiful cars and fast cars, and you love a beautiful house or whatever, then great that work towards that because the fulfillment will be even much better than Ruperto, so let's talk about your game plan, your game plan for financial planning. And I know this is a, a challenge for a lot of people. And we've, we've, we've been talking about, you know, getting out of debt, and that's obviously part of not getting into debt is part of your financial plan. So what is your approach when it comes to financial planning for people? 
My, my approach is definitely six pillars, which I like to call them. It covers all areas of a sound financial plan. We have protection management, your debt situation, which we touched on last time, your financial goals, retirement needs, diversification and risk, as well as tax efficiency. So that's a lot to think all at once, right? <laughs> Absolutely. So, so, so how do you start with, with your, your clients? Because... You know, it's it's really important, I guess, as a, as a planner to kind of figure out, you know, one, what's their situation, which a lot of people are just fearful to share. And you and I have had this conversation before. I think a lot of people are out there just too scared to get the help because they don't want to admit where they are in life. And regardless of where they are, you could be a billionaire and you think you need to be a multi-billionaire and don't want to talk to your financial planner. But I guess if you were a billionaire, you probably had a good financial plan in the first place. But the point is, is that you know, knowing where you, your starting point is and knowing where you want to go, is, would that be accurate? Absolutely. It's definitely setting those goals and understanding where, and more importantly, rather than understanding, you got to be honest with yourself, saying, hey, this is where I'm really at. Understand your debt situation, understanding where your income is and where you want it to go, it's, it's definitely a key component, just like anything you try to achieve. You need to understand where exactly you're at and where you want to go. Like you mentioned previously, you're a coach, so I'm sure you could speak on that better than I can. So, so I like the idea of, of how you kind of strategize the different parts to it. And so what's the first thing that you begin to address? Um, and I think that's what, protection management, is that correct? Absolutely. It's, it's the way I like to describe it, it's a house and the most important part of the house is a foundation and that definitely in my opinion is definitely protection management. So what does that mean? Protection management, that's pretty much where all your insurance requirements fall. We have disability, we have life insurance, health insurance, you have homeowners insurance, renters insurance, um, critical illness insurance. There's there's so many different insurances, but that's I like to call protection management your insurance, the what if bucket, just in case something happens. But do, do, does everybody think about that what if? I mean, aren't we all invulnerable? Does everyone think about it? Not as much as they should, but it's my it's definitely my job, and I try to achieve that for all my clients. The fact to make them aware of what what is the what is the other side. If something goes wrong or they're unable to fulfill certain obligations, whether it's they die or whether it's they become disabled or what, what is like, you know, the policy you have on your home, you have homeowner's insurance. Is it the right policy? Do you have the right limits? Do you need an umbrella policy for your, for your automobile policy? Do you have the right limits? If you have a child in the house, do you have the right limits just in case something goes wrong or something happens with that child while your son or daughter or your loved one while they're driving? Like you want to make sure you have the right things in order that you don't end up losing everything you built, whether whatever it is. Like I find so many people, they, they're building their success. They're looking for retirement. They're looking towards a future. But if you don't have this in place, everything you're building towards could be taken away really fast if something goes wrong. You know, and I experienced that myself. You know, my, uh, my mother was involved in a very bad car accident when I was 18. You know, unfortunately, my father had done a really good job with his own protection management. And so we were able to navigate that crisis, you know, very, very easily. You know, fortunately, she survived, but there was a lot of medical bills. And, 
I think most people today, and even then, you know, their cash flow or cash reserve is, is extremely low. Is it, what is it, like a week or two at most? If you're lucky. <laughs> These right. days, most, most people don't have that reserve in, in place or the reserve necessary in place to hold them just in case something goes wrong. Right, so obviously that's part of your protection. But here's the challenge that I've discovered over time for myself is, you know, you have all these uh, salespeople with all their programs, and, um, and, and my personal challenge, and, and me being a doctor, okay, you know, and we use all these technical words, and I know that my patients have a hard time understanding these technical words, and so I actually take the time to explain to them in layman's language all the things that I'm talking about. But I don't find the same experience when I'm trying to figure out insurance and everything else. And having people take the time to really explain to me, you know, is this worthwhile? And so that's, I guess, where that's part of your role, right? Right? To to help people understand, you know, what those protectionist protectionism uh, measures or protectionist measures, I should say, you know, what those are for you for people so that they have a grasp of it because at the end of the day you also want to know that you're not throwing your money away. No, absolutely. That you, you touched on a lot of key stuff right there. One of the things that I like to point out is we went over six different topics and when I'm putting together any financial game plan, it, it takes a few sit downs with the client to get through the whole financial game plan where it's unable to achieve it in one session for the key components that you just mentioned. Protection management, understanding it, having the client understand. I'm all about making informed decisions. So I, I give the client everything they need and show them the pros or cons and of everything they have so they can make an informed decision because I never want someone to you know, find out what they have when it's too late and then they thought they had one thing and they had another and it, it never works out well for anyone. Yeah. You know, and that's where that, that integrity and, and I know you have, you know, that bountiful integrity because I know you for quite some time and, you know, the ethics there as well because it's, it's you, you are really all about your customer and making sure that they're taken care of first. The same approach that I have with my patients. You know, I tell them, look, my only outcome is that you're happy. That's all that I care about. And I will figure out how to get there. And if I can do it, great. And if I can't, then we'll get you somewhere else. But unfortunately, I don't think that's that's common in, in enough people for us to feel safe. Because, you know, I had this one experience where I went on a humanitarian trip. And a buddy of mine had a serious injury. And we were all on the, on the assumption that um, that all of his costs would be covered. And what we found out was, yes, they would be covered in the foreign country that if he would have the surgery there. But here again, and here's the, 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 the trick, is, well, you don't want to be operated. He did not want to be operated in that country, and I don't blame him because, you know, you don't have that certainty and security that you're going to get the right treatment. And so, you know, now he was stuck, you know, with these tremendous bills coming back to the United States. And so it's these things that we are not always aware of that, you know, causes us to, to kind of hesitate in doing some of these things. Absolutely. Like you touched on a very key aspect of insurance right there. The fact of when, when, you, when you're going on a trip, when you're booking a trip, you get all these offers for all types of insurance. But the key 
in my opinion, is always understanding the exclusions. What is not included in this policy? And that, in my opinion, definitely helps make you make the decision a lot easier whether it's worth it or not because the the things that are usually included are very minimal in comparison to things that are excluded so so part of i'm sure your planning is you know besides the protection and getting out of debt which we've talked about already and there's also understanding um and, and a, a very key concept which i think is essential and um what most people neglect or forget and that is it's not so much how money you make but it's how much money you get to keep and part of that is also um, you know how do you grow your money and, and it's all about investing and so give us a little insight as to what, what is it that you mean when you need to invest in both the good times and the bad times no, absolutely. You need to invest. It's the, the only way, in my opinion, you're going to achieve your goal. Like people always say, especially right now with COVID going on and everything going on in the world, right now is the perfect time to invest. It's, it, there's really no wrong time to invest because at the end of the day, or if you look at all the um, interviews and statistics they have, if you compare 30-year trends of people invested on the best day of the month and people invested in the worst day of the month, the average turns out to be very similar. So there's never really a wrong time to invest, but people are always trying to hit for the fence, whether it's a new hot stock tip or anything like that, that they compare themselves to that. But the reality is the best time to invest is always today. There's never a wrong time to invest. It's, it's having that discipline to to understand that your goals and your dreams and you are good enough and you deserve it to put money aside for yourself because everything else in your budget and your spending plan definitely has a has money going out and it has is spoken for. Yeah, and again, it's it's you're going to have to find the right people that can actually steer you in the right direction. But the other part is discipline, <clears throat> and and it's an intellectual game, not an emotional game, where you have to have the discipline to do it consistently. And also the discipline not to get you know emotional about your investments, because more than likely uh, you'll make the right investments when it's not emotional. And so, so this is all part of you know planning. It's all relevant. You know, it's that protection. It's getting out of debt. You know, it's your taxes, obviously, and how is it that you can maximize, you know, your your tax situation. And there's so many other techniques for that. And I'm sure you go through all that. So how do people actually? Uh, um, um, find you again, Roland. Right. The, the best way is definitely my website. It's um, dreams to reality wm for wealthmanagement.com. That's dreams to t o reality wm.com. Roberto, so thank you um, for all of that. And I'd like to now talk about emergency funds. You know, I think it's really important for us to understand that we can't predict what's going to happen next. I mean, who, who would have predicted COVID? And so it's relevant for all of us to be proactive. And actually, this transcends in all parts of our life, not just the financial part, but all parts of our lives, is to be proactive and to make sure that, you know, we are prepared. And interesting, you know, there's, there's a meme that says, uh, about luck and what luck defined is when opportunity meets preparedness and so those people who were prepared for COVID 
I mean, they have a great opportunity ready for them, and they're just taking advantage of that, and 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 probably you know thriving in this time. And those people who weren't you know prepared, who weren't proactive, um, they're struggling, and unfortunately, you know, with dire consequences at times. So, tell us a little bit about the um, the emergency funds. You know, we talked already about you know how to protect ourselves. And, and so I guess this is kind of in context with that too. So besides the insurances that we talked about already, you know, how do we protect ourselves and, and how do we get that emergency fund in place? Well, I, I would like to start out with first explaining what an emergency fund is. An emergency fund, in my opinion, having six months of your monthly expenses set aside that if something goes wrong, something's happened, whether it's you, you lose your job or um, someone gets sick, what, whatever it is, that you're able to still continue to maintain the lifestyle you have or minimize it a little bit. I'm sure there's there's things in everyone's life that they'll be able to stop if, if push comes to shove. But pretty much an emergency fund is your necessities, your household necessities, your living expenses that you would need to maintain on a monthly basis. That includes like your mortgage, your rent. We have utilities falls into that. Your debt outside of your mortgage and your rent, the minimum monthly payment to make sure you stay on track. We got obviously meals, food. We got your insurance requirements, health, uh, life, disability, all those different categories. And that's usually what I like to include. So I, I, I look at someone's annual budget in, in regards to those areas, and we divide it by 12, and then we times it by six and see how much money should be in their emergency fund. That's the way I like to simplify it, at least. Well, let me ask you this. I mean, if, if, if uh, I eat out every single night, right, to the most expensive restaurants, and, and that's my, you know, monthly, you know, budget for food, um, that I probably wouldn't incorporate that in my six-month, you know, um, emergency fund, would you say? No, definitely when we talk about food, it's usually just groceries to maintain the, the your eating at home because definitely eating out is a luxury. It's something that not necessity. Obviously, you do need to eat, so we definitely make sure you're able to get the food necessary from your home by through groceries, through um, shopping. You know, and I say that with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek, and there's a reason behind that. And it really comes down to, you know, how do we budget our lives? And it's a matter of, you know, let's be sensible in our budgets and, you know, being practical. And so, yeah, if you are a foodie or you really can't cook, you know, then I guess, you know, your, your, your only resort is to go out to restaurants. But I think it's important, and my point here is to have that discipline that you need to ensure that you've got this emergency fund because, it's easy, you know, to put the money aside, but then it's also easy to, you know, tap into it when you need it. No, absolutely. There's plenty of people that set up emergency funds, and as we previously had the conversation on debt, like they, the, um, their holiday season comes around and they want to get those things for their kids. And that's the first thing sometimes some clients go to. And I tell them, you know, when we have our conversations, whether it's at the beginning or the end of the year, I try to do um, the annual review towards the end of the year, just to, right before that busy season, right before Thanksgiving, and just prep them like, you know, this we 
we experience this every year. Unless you're one of the rare few, this is what's going to happen, and you should have been planning for this. When we sat down last year, you definitely should have been putting the money aside to plan accordingly for your holiday season this year. And most people, it's 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 a budget. You could definitely be able to achieve that thousand dollar savings for the holiday or five thousand. You know, a thousand dollars is eighty four dollars a month. You put that aside and put it in your budget. You could plan accordingly for any annual expense. So what you're saying is is make it easy, make it small, make it automatic, so that you don't have to negotiate with yourself when the time comes. Because I know one thing is that you know when we don't take care of our own groundedness, our own strength, our own agency, when it comes to negotiating with what we want and what we should have or shouldn't have, then invariably we lose out. No, absolutely. That's a definitely a great way to put it. You definitely you definitely lose out because you're torn between the two. Usually, like we mentioned previously in the debt situation, that you know people people are pulled towards their loved ones. They want to be able to give those gifts. And you know when push comes to shove, the I'm sure you could speak on it better than I can in regards to the coaching aspect. You know everyone want, wants to feel loved, and when they're unable to provide that gift, certain people have the need that they feel loved by receiving a gift. And when you can't provide that gift, people people feel heartbroken. So you know people will definitely dip into their emergency funds for situations, whether it's a birthday or a holiday. And you know I'm I'm in place definitely. I never tell you exactly what to do. I advise you the pros and cons of every situation or every decision you make, so you can make an informed decision. You know what I think what, what's relevant too, and that's why I'm getting back to the whole budgeting is that you know, when you budget everything else, when you budget everything out and you know what your costs are, you also know what you have at the end of the day and you also know what you have to do to get there. And you also know, you know what you have left over so that you could actually do your investments because you know, we need to be investing in that. And I think you know, it really starts when you talk about your financial planning is getting people to embrace the idea of let's get you on a budget, you know, let's let's figure out you know what is absolutely essential versus you know what's you know extra. And and for example, I'm thinking to myself as you brought up you know giving gifts to your kids, you know budget that out too. So each kid gets what 100 bucks, 200 bucks, whatever it is, but don't suddenly realize oh well that toy costs this much. Well, I need to get that for that. No, absolutely. Like you, like hearing what you just said, it makes um a ton of sense, and it's definitely a way to look at it, because it's very it's very important to plan. You always want like you always want to understand where every single dollar that you make is going, whether it's to taxes, whether it's to tithing, whether it's to groceries. You always want to you always want to understand where every single dollar is going, because if you don't. Usually people say, I'm going to save what's ever left at the end of the month, and usually nothing's left. <laughs> right. You know, and, and there's a truism in that, and it's scientifically proven. You know, whatever we measure, <clears throat> we manage. And, you know, I, I see that for myself. Those days that I don't um, plan and I don't measure my day, uh, they're a disaster. And at the end of the day, I'm, I'm super tired and uh, don't feel as fulfilled or, or even accomplished as I would like to be. And, um, but by planning, by measuring, by, by monitoring all of it, it makes a lot more sense. And so, but I, but I would imagine that a lot of people 
are uncomfortable, and, and you and I have had a previous conversation when we figured out that probably less than 5% of people um, actually have a financial planner, mainly because of, of uh, self-esteem. I mean, what would you say about that? Mainly because of them want, not wanting to know the reality, self-esteem. They, they feel like someone knowing, because me as a financial professional, sometimes I ask those tough questions that you sense the client on the other side of the table getting uncomfortable. They're moving in ways that, you know, they really don't want to be moving. But the questions that I need to ask in order to do my job, in order to do what's best for them. So it, it is definitely, you know, an understanding. And most people... They just don't, to say it differently, now that I think about it, some people just think, oh, I'm going to get to it in the future. They, most people say when they think about savings, most people say retirement or this, that, or saving for a house. I'm still young. Most people don't understand what, what it really goes into, how, how it really works and the amount of money you can actually save if you start sooner rather than later. You know, and also part of it, and I've fallen prey to this too at times, you know, it's, it's the, you know, immediate gratification. You want this, you want it now. And I'm, I'm a major techie, so I love my, my, my uh, tech stuff. And, you know, I'm all about, you know, getting the latest. And, in fact, my son was um, uh, talking to me yesterday about a new camera. And, of course, what did I do? I went straight to the Internet checked it out, decided, can I afford this right now? And I said, yes, I could. Good thing is, I didn't buy it. And so, but it would have been very easy for me to just go ahead and, and I purchased it. And it's, it's that immediate gratification that a lot of us, and as you, as you mentioned previously, it's, it's wanting to stay, you know, with the Joneses. You know, the Joneses has this new, you know, badass uh, barbecue, and I got to have one even better. You know, it's the same thing with a car. And what I've learned through the coaching is that, you know, we have to stop comparing ourselves with other people. The only comparison that's valid is comparing from where we came from to where we are now. How are we closing the gap? And the best way to be able to close the gap is to have the financial resources to be able to do that and to really postpone, you know, some of that gratification. So, you know, not have that, you know, really awesome car or, really awesome vacation, but have the security, the protection, the emergency funds, and all those things, and really having somebody who's grounded, you know, like yourself, you know, in your pocket to help you design that, and that's been my challenge. My challenge is, you know, who can I talk to, and so I'm looking forward to, you know, sitting down with you face-to-face, -face, uh, be vulnerable, be witness, you know, be told, okay, Bart, what you're doing right now does not make any sense. And, and create a future that I can be happy with because uh, it, it's worth it. So how do actually people find you? Um, the easiest way is definitely my website. It's a dreams2realitywm.com. That's a dreams2realitywm for wealthmanagement.com. They can also call my office at 954-800-3313. So I also want to talk a little bit about um, taxes. Can, and, and is there anything that you can share with us as far as um, how do we manage the taxes in the best way? 
Well, there's, there's a lot of things out there that you could do um, to manage your taxes the best way. What, what I like to always say to every single client or anyone I speak to in regards to this matter is be proactive. When you sit down to do your 2019 taxes, which just passed, speak to your tax professional. Well, I usually, I'm usually proactive and tell them, hey, based on your previous year tax return, this is what you could be doing different. But speak to your tax professional and say, hey, based on everything you have in front of you of my life, what should I be doing differently to make sure I'm operating my life in the most tax efficient way? Because there's a lot of things out there. Um, back a few years ago when the IRS, when the government changed the tax code, it stripped out a lot of things that employees could do but there's also things available, and you always want to make sure you're aware of what you're able to do to maximize your refund, to maximize the amount of money you have to pay out. Does that make sense? Yeah, you know, I never thought of that because what comes to mind too, and me who likes to measure and monitor everything, is is you know using a system like like QuickBooks or, or whatever other ones are out there. And actually evaluating your your history. You know, what did you do last year? Where did you spend your money? You know, and having that kind of detail and then recognizing, whoa, you know, I spent a lot on uh, movies. You know, maybe I should do things a little differently because in the moment you're kind of not aware of it. But when you take it into perspective and then realize, wow, I could have saved you know a thousand, two thousand dollars here if I hadn't done that. And as it turns out, you really didn't like doing that in the first place. But in the moment, it's all about you know negotiating with yourself, and and the lowest denominator denominator unfortunately wins, um, you know because you just don't have the stamina or the strength to to not proceed with that. And so you know, planning and being proactive based on you know, historical facts, I think, is, is really important. So I like that idea of yours. I like the idea to sit down with your, your accountant and say, hey, great, what is it that we could have done differently? And then, then having a deep look at what you're paying for, you know, your internet services or your cable services and kind of reflecting on, okay, well, do I really need the cable? I mean, how much did I really use of that? And in fact, this year I, I got rid of my cable because it wasn't, I wasn't using it in the first place. And so right there, I'm saving, I think, 70 bucks a month. So, you know, that's, a, what, 840 you know, uh, a year. So that adds up. And having that awareness, you know, really, you know, helps with smarter planning. No, absolutely. Definitely uh, having that, like you said, having that awareness helps with any sound financial game plan because you always want to be proactive. You never, like I heard the story one time, I forgot exactly where I heard it. You never want to be on the rocking chair when you're 80 years old. Say, hey, what if I would have X? So you always want to be in a scenario where, hey, what could I have done better? Like you and I, we, we spoke a few times and it's a lot of times, all right, we did this. How can we improve it? And it's always about how can you improve. So that's where I like to implement all areas of my life is just saying, all right, 2019 is finished. What could I do better? Is it, does it make sense to do a traditional IRA? Does it make sense to add more money to your 401k? Is a, a pre-tax 401k better for you? Is a Roth 401k better for you? It's, there's a whole bunch of different scenarios that you need to make every single day, but most people just look over to the left, and it's like your financial life. You look over to your left or your right, and you say, hey, my friend's picking this one. Let me just choose that one. Oh, 5%. 
the the company matches five percent let me just put in five percent and um that's with no understanding in regards to what that's going to do to your financial future. So it's definitely a proactive approach and sitting down with a financial professional to be able to say, hey, what can I be doing differently? What am I doing good? What, what habits do I have that are working in my favor? So you could ultimately achieve the goals and successes you want. I love it. So it leads me to the final question for you, Roberto. And, um, you know, I, I see you as, as a, a man of integrity, um, also focused on the client. And so, but not everybody's going to be like that. So if anybody's looking for an amazing person, check out Roberto. But if, if we can't reach out to you, right, what are some of the questions that we would need to ask in other financial professions to know that we're on the right track? So definitely the, the key thing is... Um, what I like to say is, how do you get paid? You should understand. Wait, you should. You guys, you and your financial professional definitely should be connected at the hip. As you make more money, he does, and vice versa. You should definitely have an understanding. The same way when you go back to the budget, where your money is going, where how does he get compensated? Because we're in a. Everyone needs to make money, but you should understand how much is it actually costing you, and how is it impacting your overall future your future financial plan. The next is, what are their qualifications? What, what licenses, what registrations do they hold, what designations? And another area I would definitely say is, what is their investment philosophy? What are they, how, how do they invest your money? How do they make the decision on what's best for you? Um, another thing I would possibly think of is, how often would we communicate? Are they one that, you know, speaks with you once a year? Are they available for, like, annual calls, bi biannual calls, quarterly calls, monthly calls? How, how do they communicate? Do they communicate via email? I think that's very important because these days there's a, a lack of understanding, I guess. People say, hey, I called you, and you didn't call me back. And I was like, well, you, you called me yesterday at 6 p.m. and it's only 9 a.m. in the morning. Like, what are the expectations? What What is a realistic turnaround time from a client standpoint as well as a financial professional standpoint? And the last thing I think which is really important since it's readily available is ask them as well as do your own research on has, has their firm or anyone in their firm been subjected to disciplinary disciplinary or legal action like you should understand you don't you don't want to get involved with someone that you know has some things or marks on their record or you should make an informed decision if they do say hey that's something that's behind them they explained it to me but you definitely you should definitely know and make a decision be able to make a decision for yourself awesome wow great advice Hey, Roberto, I want to thank you. Um, this has been an amazing interview, and I know we're going to be talking uh, more in the future about different things, uh, financial practices, maybe some specific uh, um, strategies uh, or uh, of discipline, if you will. I'm not going to ask you for stock picks and that kind of stuff. I'm not going to put you in that position. <laughs> some very specific strategies that I think are going to be helpful. I'm going to give you the last word. Well, um, thank you so much for the time, for giving me this platform to speak to your audience. It's definitely um, very helpful. I love helping people and being able to contribute any way possible. So I thank you for this opportunity, and I look forward to chatting in the future.
Awesome. Well, I'm Dr. Barb Ryanamick, and this is Prescription for Your Transformation, Real People, Real Conversations, and Real Success. You know, um, talking with these amazing human beings around the globe to give you the insights to transform your life. Thank you, and I'll be back. Thanks for listening to Dr. Rademacher's Prescription for Transformation. Join Dr. Bart Rademacher live right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com or on demand 24-7.